Welcome in to Bears Weekly, a Chicago Bears Network production. Download the Chicago Bears official app. Brought to you by Verizon to follow the team on the go. Bears Weekly is brought to you by Advocate Healthcare, Athletico Physical Therapy, Bet Rivers, CDW, Connie's Pizza, IGS Energy, and Miller Lite. Here are your hosts, Jeff Choniak, a.k.a. the Mayor of Bearsville, and his sidekick, Tom the Surfmaster Thayer. Much to discuss. We've got the post-Super Bowl wrap-up, the Hall of Fame announcements now official, and the Bears dig into free agency and the draft. Welcome into another edition of Bears Weekly with Super Bowl-winning Bears guard Tom Thayer and Jim Meadow from Sirius XM NFL Radio's Moving the Chains, the ex-Bear quarterback. We've got our helpers, of course, in the studio at ESPN 1000 and our producers Jordan Treadup and Dan Brilli from the Bears and the executive producer of the Bears Radio Network, Eric Ostrowski. Fellas, how are we doing? Jim, you survived. You've been traveling nonstop. You've, you've sprouted wings. You've been flying all over America. How, to, how did you survive Vegas? I'll tell you what. I thought they did a great job. Obviously, they had about 300,000 fans coming for the game, and I thought overall for the NFL, it's, you know, the, these numbers continue to go up. It was the most viewed uh, Super Bowl, and I think uh, the NFL did it without a, doubt a hit, without a hitch. I think it's kind of a dot-com bubble that just doesn't seem to, to burst. But as for the game, the game was uh, incredible. And I thought to go to overtime and obviously Patrick Mahomes doing Patrick Mahomes things uh, had to be pretty frustrating for the San Francisco 49ers. It was the uh, second smallest crowd since Super Bowl one at a little bit over 61,000 people. So the reason that the viewing audience is so big is because they didn't have the 75,000 seat, you know, 80,000 seat, uh, you know, stadium that they probably would have sold out equally as easy. Everybody's got different opinions on how uh, it was going to play out and what did play out ultimately. And, you know, maybe I'm wrong, but, you know, you keep talking about you got to have special at quarterback, and I know I said that on our podcast this week with Tommy, uh, Jimmy, uh, but, you know, you also got to factor in the defensive quotient here. And uh, Steve Spagnuolo did an unbelievable job throughout the entire postseason, and now the – most decorated defensive coordinator in terms of Super Bowls and wins in the NFL history, and that's Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, he was t- tremendous. You know, they they were probably the most consistent defense throughout the regular season and then got even better in the postseason. During the year, they were only giving up 17.3 points a game, and I think we know why. Their offense was kind of a struggle to get going, so the defense somewhat carried uh, Kansas City. And then through the postseason, as I mentioned, you're facing the best of the best, and they're on the road the entire time. They actually got better. They were only giving up 15.8 points a game, and that includes uh, uh, the Super Bowl as as well. So, And they're the youngest defense in the league. Think about that. They're average 25 years of age, and so that's a credit to Steve to be able to, to communicate to a lot of young players who they had four rookies that started on that defense a, a season ago in the Super Bowl and how they really carried it over. So really a fine job by Steve Spagnuolo. Yeah, but, you know, the one thing about that, Jim and Jeff, is that if the uh, 49ers don't fumble on the first series of the game and say they just score three points out of that, possibly seven, then they get the extra point block. If they go down and they score that first series, then you got Spagnuolo thinking about, okay, is my plan right? Or else it gives the opportunity for San Francisco defensive coordinator Steve Wilkes to be way more aggressive in those first series if you're playing on a lead. So there's a lot of different moments in time that 
you know, could change the thinking process of the, the coaching. And I do like what the deep, uh, Spagnola did, man. The guy's really a great defensive coordinator. However, when you have plays like that that take away scoring opportunities, and when you think about the, the game was one by three and you left at least minimum four on the field, it could have been a different outcome if it was a perfectly played game by both teams. Jim, Andy Reid, uh, you've you spent man, many hours uh, talking to him over the course of his career when you add it all up, and he's been uh, to the big game uh, several times now. But it took him 20 years to actually win a Super Bowl, and it just emphasizes how hard it is to win this game. Everybody says, oh, you know, you want to compete for a Super Bowl, and that all sounds good, but the, everything has to come together. We all know that. To me, you know, you could talk about all the other sports, but this one, because of the threat of injury, at every turn, on every single snap. How do you put that in a frame and explain uh, his career, Andy Reid? Yeah, I think he's always been good at, at really assembling a good roster. You know, I think even if you go back in Philadelphia, you know, five times they were in the NFC Championship game. Yes, they only went to one Super Bowl, which they lost uh, to the New England Patriots. But, you know, to even get that far, to have that many cracks at having an opportunity to get to the Super Bowl. And I think the key in that is, one, you got to have good rosters, offense, defense, and special teams. He's always had good offensive lines. He's always had good defenses. Think of the great Jim Johnson that was his defensive coordinator in Philadelphia. And now he had Spagnolo, who's been with him five years in Kansas City. And I think he's got a great idea in mind to, to identify his quarterback. Think about what he learned in Green Bay, coaching Brett Favre. He goes to Philadelphia. He brings Doug Peterson with him, and right away he drafts Donovan McNabb. Then when he leaves uh, Philadelphia, he goes to Kansas City. He identified the quarterback, and that was to trade and get Alex Smith. And now when he's got Alex Smith, he has the foresight to trade up in the draft because he identified that Patrick Mahomes was such a talent that they identified him and they drafted Patrick Mahomes, cultivated him the right way. He sat for a year and Alex Smith played, but I think he's really got a good idea of the quarterback that you need with the style of offense that he wants to run. But offensively, he's he's always been good at identifying his QB and he's got a good one. You, you know, I think one thing about Andy Reid, I think it's more amazing than the fact that he was an offensive tackle in college and then he's by, you know, known probably by a whole generation that don't realize that he was an offensive tackle. But being raised in the Lavelle Edwards system at BYU and playing around a quarterback in college like Jim McMahon, who left college with 72 records and how successful they were in the Mountain West back in the day, that he's, he's, been, he's had an understanding of the importance of the development of the quarterback position while he was an offensive tackle. And I really don't see a lot of other guys that have had that growth potential to that position that didn't play quarterback itself. Uh, many ways to skin a cat, but I'll tell you, there's yep. only a few ways to win a Super Bowl. And you got to have certain elements, and we can discuss. you got to have a quarterback. No <laughs> question about that. We'll discuss more. Brad Spielberger coming up from Pro Football Focus to look at the Bears at the draft free agency and where they're poised to strike here on Bears Weekly on ESPN Chicago and the Bears Radio Network. You are tuned into Bears Weekly with Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. 
This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by IGS Energy. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio is moving the chains, and Brad Spielberger joining us from Pro Football Focus. He's been with us before. Glad you rejoined us because guess what? Here we are again. I thought last offseason was going to be the offseason of the Bears. Constant conversation. That turned out to be the case with the big trade, and here we are again, Brad. I mean, this is something. We, we have just been talking while we were waiting for you and it's just constant conversation. What are they going to do? And from the inside walls of Pro Football Focus and you back from Vegas at the Super Bowl, what are you hearing? What are you thinking? Yeah, no, it's funny. Like you said, we had this exact same conversation last year. The Bears controlling the draft at number one. I think this time is different, though. I think you are going to see the Bears take a quarterback at first overall. We'll see who that quarterback is. I know everyone is talking about Caleb Williams, but that is a consensus when you talk to people around the league as well. Uh, in Vegas, which you can tell from my voice, I was just in <laughs> Vegas. That's what everyone expects to happen. Um, and I think you, you trade fields, get some draft compensation there, try to get some receiver talent, some trench talent on both sides of the ball. And this is the offseason of the Bears. And then we're done having this conversation <laughs> about, you know, what the Bears do at first overall. Hey, Brad, you know, a subject that I haven't heard addressed once so far this offseason. And when you think of the finances and you think of the depth of a position, where does Bajan fit into the discussion? Do you have to have, you know, I don't want to see him go spend a lot of money on a quarterback just because he's a veteran. Now, how does he fit into this? Uh, and you're, even uh, you're thinking in the quarterback position. It's a good question. Yeah, right. Because in theory, you'd say, hey, a lot of teams want to have that veteran leader for the quarterback. You say, well, do you want to move on from a really good undrafted free agent that has probably proven he can be at least a backup in this league? And if you, you know, you're not going to carry three quarterbacks, most likely, if you did wave him or something like that, try to be on the practice squad, someone probably would pick him up. So it's a very good question. You know, I think maybe they're just trying to build this coaching staff nucleus with all these, you know, guys from the quarterback collective, which is where Kale Williams is training right now. Shane Waldron's been involved there. Um, some of the other coaches they brought in, Kerry Joseph, some others have been involved there as well. So maybe they're not going to have that veteran presence. Maybe, you know, I, I know it's been very, very common. We hear that it's helpful. It also doesn't, doesn't guarantee you success uh, as Bears fans can attest having and Andy Dalton or Nick Foles or whoever uh, hasn't guaranteed anything uh, in the past. Well, Brad, Jim, Jim Miller here. And if they do go quarterback one, as you su suggest, other areas of needs that you've targeted for the Chicago Bears? Yeah, for me, a wide receiver is the, ne the next need. You know, it's great to get DJ Moore. You have a clear-cut, bona fide number one. I don't really think Darnell Mooney is a bear in 2024. I'm not saying I wouldn't wouldn't welcome him back, but I, ju I just don't see it folding out that way. And I think they are sitting there at nine, hoping that one of Malik Neighbors from LSU or Roma Dunze from Washington are available at nine. I think Dunze is probably more likely. I really think Neighbors and Marvin Harrison Jr. are going to be top five, top seven picks. But Dunze is a really special talent, um, big, you know, good at the contested catch player, good route runner, late hands, late separation. Just a lot of the nuance of playing wide receiver does very, very well. I think he'll hit the ground running immediately. And then second for me is more defensive line help, whether that's on the interior at three tech to kind of move Javon Dexter around, make him more of a one technique or another edge rusher opposite of Montez Sweat. I think that's where I'm looking if I'm the Chicago Bears. Brad Spielberger, our guest here on ESPN 1000 of the Bears Radio Network, Jeff and Tom and Jim Miller from Sirius XM NFL Radio's Moving the Chain. So with that said, we're always focused on the big prize of quarterbacks in the draft, but we got free agency before that. Where do you see the Bears um, sitting in terms of being poised to strike? They have salary cap space again. Maybe more will be created here in the coming weeks, but that's the, the 
most obvious attention at the moment is what they might do in free agency. And I know you, you dip into that quite a bit as well. Uh, where are they cap-wise, and, and how do you see things? Yeah, they're healthy on the cap, and they do have some more moves they could make to clear extra room. I think they'll, again, kind of be like quietly aggressive, as Ryan Poles has mentioned. Pick your spots. Maybe at certain players, like a Tremaine Edmonds, you make a bigger splash, but more so kind of just filling out starters. I think for me, uh, center is the number one choice here. There's a ton of center talent available. It also helps that two guys, um, in Evan Brown, who started for Seattle this year, and then Coleman Shelton, who played for the Rams with Shane Waldron. So two guys that ran Shane Waldron's offense, um, you know, are available at center. That could, you know, we talked about having that veteran quarterback, having a veteran center that knows the offensive coordinator's offense would also help this hypothetical rookie quarterback quite a bit. So I go there. I look at Bryce Huff of the New York Jets as an edge rusher. If you want to add a pure one-on-one pass rush winner opposite of Montez Sweat, I look to Bryce Huff. And then the interior of that defensive line, there's so much talent there. The big name, like a Justin Matabike from Baltimore, Christian Wilkins from Miami had a really good year, or even further down the list, like a Tyre Tart from Tennessee or a Grover Stewart from over run stuffer from Indy. There's, there's a ton of names there. So like I said, trenches, trenches, trenches. You know, Brad, just to continue the narrative about the defensive line, you think about what Chase Young and Montez Sweat did during the regular season last year and by moving to new teams. And then you think of this year, a guy like Chris Jones or Daniil Hunter. Are those guys beyond their peak and on the downside, even though Chris Jones, I think, is a heck of a player and Daniil Hunter is a guy that's in the, the division? Are those two guys that you can still identify as players that come in and be first-day starters and immediate help? I really don't think Chris Jones is is done, you know, ascending. It, it's remarkable how good he's been the last couple of years. But also, you see the Kansas City now line him up as a, you know, seven-tech, you know, uh, edge rusher, and he's winning against good tackles, like bending the corner, flattening his arc, getting to the quarterback. It's What he's able to do at 6'5", 300 is truly incredible. So, I wouldn't be opposed to it. Obviously, that's you know that's my number one free agent in the entire offseason, um, you know, among all teams. But um, far be it for me to be against adding Chris Jones. Neil Hunter, I think to a degree, you probably could make that argument. Still a very, very good player. The Vikings led the NFL in blitz rate by a staggering margin. And so his sack numbers are a little bit inflated to where they're always bringing extra bodies. He's obviously still a phenomenal football player. But, yeah, per PFF's metrics and all that pass rush win rate, pressure rate some of those numbers he's not quite as dominant on a on a you know per play basis by himself but again i would not be opposed to bringing into the hunter final one for me brad is i would assume if they can't get a long-term deal done with jalen johnson they would probably put the franchise tag on him but you know we'll see where that goes but if they were to lose jalen johnson what other corners out there in free agency uh, do you see if they do elect to move on from i think he's a blue chip player i i really like the year he's had i do too and not even 25 years old yet so i think the number one target there would be a guy you saw play uh, on sunday night and that's legeria sneed those two yeah are by far the best corners available in free agency. Seems a little bit older, but he has the inside-outside versatility. You know, played outside this year for the first time for a majority. Sticky in coverage, very physical. I know he did have the uh, the penalty in the Super Bowl, but I love about him is normally he gets the offensive player to, to, to take a penalty. Um, he keeps his composure. So he, he's a competitor, he, he's a talker, and, and just a really, really good player. Um, down the board, there's some more kind of value options, but – I'm with you. They And I think Ryan Poles agrees with us. They, they got to do whatever they can to keep Jalen Johnson. Yeah, no question. He really did spark. And uh, I love the age part of it. 25, that's the wheelhouse for me. My gosh, if you can get a 25 signed up, you're in good shape. All right, we're going to wrap up here. We appreciate your time. What did we learn 
from the Super Bowl, regardless uh, who won or not, that will echo in throughout the rest of 2024 throughout this league, do you think? Yeah, I think it's a continued lesson, but really an exclamation point just on the value of interior pass rush. And uh, you don't have to necessarily have, you know, these incredible tackles, incredible edge rushers. You, of course, want them. But you look at this game and San Fran's interior offensive line kind of got bullied. And that's why Brock Purdy was either under siege and throwing the ball away or or not able to get the ball out at all. Um, And Kansas City didn't really have much off of the edge, you know, with an injury to Charles Amenahu. They just couldn't really win there. So I think that's just a continued story. can collapse the pocket and the fastest path to the quarterback is you know a straight line from, from point a to point b so i think more you know players like that in this draft class maybe go a little bit earlier i think you're going to see more and more investment on those freakish three techniques uh, that i know the bears are, are looking for uh, far and wide that uh, 10-year nfl guard just snickered here on our zoom call tom there about the quickest path to a quarterback <laughs> he took exception to that one didn't you tommy <laughs> no, it's a fact of the matter. You know, I've been beat on three step drops that's resulted in a sack, but I know the importance of interior play. And you think about the Bears with um, Tevin Jenkins and Nate Davis, are you confident or concerned? So, and you talked about the center position already. So, you know, it's, you know, that's three positions that you have to take in, you know, into your thinking process going through free agency in the draft. No, and that's the good counter as well. Those guys matter a ton too. The guard market has exploded, and it, it should have because defending yes. those guys, defending. The, yeah, there you go. I know you like that one. Yeah. <laughs> a little past his time. We just talked about salaries in the NFL, and it's crazy what <laughs> what even backup quarterbacks are earning compared to what a ten-year NFL guard who never missed a game made back in his day. Anyway, Brad, we appreciate the time. Hope to have you on again. You have a lot of knowledge, and you just banged it out. Loved it. Appreciate it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Back with more with Jim and Tom after this. You're tuned into Bears Weekly with Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. Want VIP access to every Bears home game? Exclusive seating, sideline credentials, and more are now available. Get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. Jeff Joniak, Jim Miller, Tom Thayer here on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 of the Bears Radio Network. There is no franchise in the National Football League with more Hall of Famers and more added to the bunch after the addition of Steve McMichael, the great and legendary defensive tackle of the Chicago Bears, and Devin Hester, the all-time leader in punt return touchdowns and by far the number one return man in NFL history. Had a chance to visit with him after the announcement and get his thoughts. Devin, good to see you, and uh, congratulations. First and foremost, I know it's been a long wait, and the obvious question is, how does it feel to be a Hall of Famer? I mean, it, it, feels, it feels great. You know, this morning, um, uh, waking up to all the, te- well, the whole night of trying <laughs> to ignore all the text messages and all the phone calls, man, it was, it's a, it was a great honor to, to wake up this morning to really officially say that I am 2024 class Hall of Famer. So we're going to take this in steps. Tell me how you found out Edger and James showed up at your house. You guys were going to be going, driving in cars, right? His old cars? Yeah, so uh, Edger called me about a week prior and was um, saying, hey, D, I'll be in town. Um, you want to get up and go ride old schools a little bit, ride around town, go grab some lunch, breakfast, whatever. And I was like, fine. And so uh, we planned for Thursday um, around about 10 o'clock. And so um, 
and gave me a text message letting me know the night before the hey I'll be around there. Make sure you have your car clean. So I'm up cleaning the car late at night trying to get ready for tomorrow. <laughs> Obviously he came, pulled up at the house and I didn't get the knock, I got the horn. So he beat the horn and when he as he he beeping the horn, I, you know, ran to the door and uh just seeing all the camera guys and Edge James with his his Hall of Fame jacket on, and that's when I knew it was official. Do you remember how you felt that in that instant? Most definitely, man. It was it was like as I was going to the door, that's when it really hit me. And I and I seen the camera guys racing to the front door, and it was like, wow, man, like it's all said and done. Like it's it's finally here. Devin, who's the first person you called? So the first person I called was my mom. And um, when I called, I let her know, hey, mom, I have some news to tell you. And I was like, mom, you know, um, out of all the women in the world um, that have sons that play the game of football, I can honestly sit here and tell you today that you're the 374th mother that can say that son is a Hall of Famer. And she just bust out crying and yelling and stuff. And it was just, it was overwhelming. I'm assuming you cried as well. Yeah, yeah, I cried a couple of times. I, I actually cried this morning um, as I was scrolling, looking at the text messages and stuff like that. And, um, of course, I hopped on Instagram. And the first first thing that popped up was my son. And he's home now in Orlando, and he posted a picture of me in the Hall of Fame. And then the song that he put on, the, on, on it, it was just a testimony of how grateful he was that I was his father, you know what I mean? And the way I opened up the opportunity for him. You know, that's a great point, Devin, because not every Hall of Famer has been able to share with their own children. Some have passed on already and uh, were posthumously honored. Uh, how important is it that your kids at their age right now are watching this unfold for you? It's, it's very important because me as a father, I always want to set a good role model, be a good role model to them and, and to, to have them to be able to say, you know what, my father is a great role model and someone I look I can look up to. And everything that he does, he tries to make sure that it's the best and it's the right decision. So I leave a great platform for those guys because I know eventually one day I won't be here. And um, that the moment that happens, you know what I mean? I hold that the foundation that I built for my three boys that they would be able to, to, to continue the legacy and, you know, the name and to say that, hey, one day, you know what I mean, with their kids and their kids that, you know, you guys know that your grandfather was a, a great person on and off the field as well as the Hall of Famer. Back in September, you and I spoke at your home in Orlando, and we talked about the fact that you were not a first-round draft choice, you are not a first ballot Hall of Famer, which was upsetting to you. But now you're the first return specialist in the Hall of Fame. So as you look back at all those emotions and now where you're at, how would you frame it? How do you feel about it? I feel, you know, I feel blessed. And when I sit back and I look at it, when you go down the list of not being a first rounder, not being the whole, I'm in a um, first round, I'm not being a first ballot Hall of Famer. But then I look back and you know what I mean? You think about the position that I, I'm in right now and it's, it's probably about 
I can't, I don't even think it's more than one person that can really say besides right now my situation that, hey, I'm a Hall of Famer, but I'm the number one Hall of Famer in my category, in my position as a Hall of Famer. It's, 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 and when you look at everybody else, it could be an argument, you know what I mean? Um, who's the best quarterback? Who's the best running back, receiver, defensive back, linebacker? But to sit in my my position in this special, unique situation where I can honestly say that I'm the best to ever do it when it comes to kickoff and punt return. I'm the number one kickoff and punt returner in the world, and it's a fact right now. So you're going in uh, with other bear ties. Steve McMichael, the legendary defensive tackle, and Julius Peppers, who played four years with the Bears. How important is that as well to you? as this summer is going to be a summer of navy blue and orange. <laughs> um, hopefully, man, that they, they see this trend, man, and they, they make sure that we have this game be. The Bears have to play in this game. You know what I mean? This is a no-brainer. You know what I mean? I don't know who the other team we may play against, but the fans have to be out and be able to see this game in Canton and um, to be able to sit and, and witness three great legends that came through the, the city of Chicago, and to be honored, um, us three guys as a uh, NFL Hall of Famer that actually played for Chicago Bears. That is, that is the moment that the city of Chicago needs right now. When you walked out of the stage at Honors, and the curtain came up to present the Hall of Fame Class of 2024, and your name was announced. Uh, can you tell me what your emotions were like? What was going through your head when you walked out there with all those guys? It was, it was, it was, it, it, it's, it's so hard to describe it, you know, because, you know, as a kid growing up, we, we don't think about it. When you, when you eight, nine, ten years old, you don't think about the Hall of Fame as a kid. You know, you think about what high school I'm going to play for, what pop one team, you know what I mean? And then maybe what college I'm playing for. Um, and so to look further down in the future and to say that, wow, you know what I mean? When those curtains open up, like, this is the best award and pretty much the last award you can honestly get playing football. There's no other awards I feel like you can achieve. You know what I mean? This is the end of the road. This is like playing Super Mario and you, you beating King Cooper and you jumping on the flag. It's 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 no more playing. It's it's pretty much over. <laughs> and that's how that's pretty much how it is. <laughs> There's also some special teammates and you played with a bunch, but you know, the names that pop into my head that were on those returns with you blocking for you, you know, they pop up from Israel Adonage to Charles Tillman, to Rashid Davis, to Jason McKee. I'm missing guys, but a piece of them are going in with you to the Hall of Fame. And I, I, I know they realize it, and they have pride in it. What would you say to those gentlemen, and to Coach Dave Tobe, and to General Manager Jerry Angelo, and Coach Lovey Smith, and that whole group? So, man, that whole organization on down from Lovey Smith to Jerry to Coach Dave told, man, I, I appreciate the opportunity of uh, 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 jumping out on a limb. I know it was a big hesitant about me in the draft. And um, like you say, this kid here, um, great talent, but doesn't have a, a locked position. And to really, really take that chance and pull pull that trigger and 
and draft me was a great honor, and I'm I'm I'm, I'm hopeful that I, I've made them proud for the decision that they made. You know, some draft picks, you you know, some of some of the coaches that the GMs could be scratching their head right now, four or five years from now, saying why did we pick this guy? So I'm hoping that I made them proud, and as well as the city, and to go down to all my teammates and and, and to sit back and say, wow, you know what I mean? This was a team effort thing, and I know at the end of the day, none of these returns. Uh, uh, in Chicago or uh, just any of the accolades or the awards wouldn't be possible without those guys. At the end of the day, man, and and I just love that I was op- had an opportunity to play on a team like that where special team-wise, we really, really took special team series and we valued it and we made sure that this was a key three phase of our our, our system and our, and our team. Oh, yeah, and most definitely, man, I want to give a shout-out to Mark Sadowski, man, because I know the story of Mark and what happened during draft day in the room. And, uh, man, I know that this guy here was was probably about to get in a fight with three, four guys in the draft room, man. And, and, and for them guys to go ahead and say, hey, man, this is your draft pick. We gonna, we, we, this is going to fall on you, man. And I'm hoping that, man, listen, I, I made Mark proud as well. Yeah, Mark Sadowski, for sure. Well, you're very respected. Young players want to be you. Young players want to play like you. And young people want to be where you are right now. Congratulations very much. Pro Football Hall of Famer, class of 2024. Thank you, Devin. Appreciate so much. Appreciate you so much, Jeff, for all the amazing lyrics and, and just going crazy in the booth, man. And I was telling everybody this morning, I say, man, whenever I hear you talking, um, or yelling, I feel like you're talking about me. <laughs> <laughs> well, you gave me a lot to describe. I, I took it as a challenge every single time you touched the football. And as much as those guys got up off the bench to watch you, you got to imagine what I had been going through because I had to capture that moment. I, I captured all it. but one, all but one. I'll take it, man. You, you really... You helped put me on the map, too, so I appreciate you, and I love you, brother. Love you, too, Jeff, man. Heartfelt from Hester, heartfelt from me to Devin as well, along with Steve McMichael and Julius Peppers, who spent four years with the Bears, including the 2010 NFC Championship game. All will be inducted this summer, August, in Canton, Ohio. The likelihood that the Bears would get the Hall of Fame game as well. We'll return with Jim Miller and Tom Thayer after this on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. You're listening to Bears Weekly on the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak, on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by Athletical Physical Therapy. Visit athletical.com to request an in-clinic or virtual appointment and start feeling better tomorrow. Jeff Joniak along with Tom Thayer and Jim Miller from SiriusXM NFL Radio's Moving the Chains. I just heard from Devin Hester, uh, the Hall of Famer, our interview uh, last week. And let, let's dip into that because uh, Steve McMichael, Devin Hester, we, we, we talked about the likelihood they were going in in our last show last week. Now we know they're headed to Canton in the summer, along with Julius Peppers, the four-year Bear Jim, uh, the Hall of Fame class in general. What did you think of it? What will this potentially do in some weird way when they get together to talk about kick return in the NFL owners' meetings coming up in March? Because... It was a real bummer again. Not one kick return in the Super Bowl. Touchback City, and it just is yeah. a play. These guys are running down the field, taking wind sprints. I don't get it. Yeah, 
Yeah, it's become an inconsequential play. So so I'm with you there. I do think they are going to address it. The competition committee, you know, they may implement. Well, now it's called the UFL. Obviously, the XFL has merged to create the uh, the UFL. But the XFL used a, a unique kickoff return and it did invite kick returners. So basically the, the back line would be moved to like the 15 yard line and the coverage team would be about on the 25 yard line. So there's only t basically 10 yards where they'd be able to get the kickoff coverage. The kickers would be in his normal spot where he kicks, but the coverage team can't start going till the returner catches the ball. So it does encourage uh, kick returns. I talked to uh, uh, who was it? Anthony Becht. He coached uh, the St. Louis Battlehawks, and he thought it was a very effective way to to re, you know let's not take the foot out of football. Where they did have returns, it was an exciting play where you could have uh, kickoff returns. Otherwise, you'll never see a Devin Hester again. I mean, you just you won't see it. Teams won't invest in their kick return uh, coverage game, and then they'll they'll move on. Again, the statistics are probably what going to drive it. As for the Hall of Fame, I, I know we're splitting hairs here. I thought Antonio Gates was going to get in. Uh, I really did. Yeah. And that's no offense to Patrick Willis, but I look at Patrick Willis somewhat like Terrell Davis of the Denver Broncos, right? Patrick Willis had a, a shortened career, and he did, uh, you know, he would have an opportunity to make the Hall, but Terrell Davis had to take a little bit of a wait before he got in because of his shortened career. That's why he didn't get in so early. So I thought Antonio Gates was going to get in, but didn't happen. Hopefully it'll happen the, the next time. And the only other one, I thought Torrey Holt. You know, obviously Johnson made it in for uh, the Houston Texans, but there's a log jam at the receiver position. And I just thought maybe Torrey Holt would have, would have had an opportunity to, to creep in there. But again, we're splitting hairs. They're all great players. You, you know, I like to say one thing about the kickoff return. Because the traditional kickoff return that we all know throughout the history of the NFL it's one of the most difficult designed plays in all of offensive football because the length of requirement of assignment in the traditional kickoff return is difficult and guys are never committed to their lanes where you can count on the guy you're counting out at the start of the return is the guy that you're going to block at the end of the return. But the way that the USFL, UFL have changed the kickoff coverage design I think there's more designable returns when you have that distance of personnel. So I think it can be more creative on the kickoff return. If they did have that shorter distance between the defenders coming down and the offensive players waiting for the ball to return. So I think it is an exciting and I, listen, man, I'm a traditionalist from way back, but what the examples I saw on the field, I think it is something that needs to be explored to keep that exciting play in the game. Yeah, I just want the third phase to still be the third phase yeah, completely. Uh, it's how you what build you, rosters. It's it's part of the process and the the challenge of building a roster that includes your kickoff coverage and your kick return team. And the unit is, you know, uh, uh, guys that can do more than just one thing. And, and otherwise, you're, you're going to be eliminate. You're already threatening to eliminate the running back position in a weird way. Um, and you're you're going to threaten to eliminate even more jobs in the return game. I I just I yeah. find it odd. I just do. Well, it's, look, it's not teams football. don't even invest. Teams don't even invest in returners anymore. No. Devin Hester, obviously, the yeah. Bears invested in him. Think of the Cleveland Browns when they had Joshua Cribs. They invested in him. Or Kansas City with Dante Hall. These guys were kick return uh, specialists, and it is it, to me. It's 
the most exciting play in football that will really get the the fans at a stadium to jump out of their seats when you see one go the distance uh, and take it to the house. So we heard Brad Spielberger earlier, and I'll get your thoughts, because the Bears right now have 16 free agents. Uh, Two of them are Josh Blackwell and Joe Reed, a wide receiver. They are uh, exclusive rights free agents, so they can retain. I hope they do retain Blackwell. Uh, But, I mean, it's a small number. Uh, They they had a lot of one-year contracts again last year, and that's the process of rebuilding a roster to uh, plug some holes. But I'm interested to where you guys are feeling about Justin Jones at defensive tackle, to have that rotational guy. He gives full effort. I like the way he plays. Would that be somebody you'd like to keep on the roster, Tom? Let me start with you. Well, I'd have to see what is my – Feelings on the future development of Zach Pickens and Javon Dexter Jr., a couple guys that they brought in last year, because now they're going to be considered veterans, even though they're only in their second year. And is there another guy out there, and they did sign Billings. And so is there another guy out there that gives me more explosiveness at the three-technique defensive tackle? I have all the respect in the world for Justin Jones. The guy, I think he played better his second year than he did his first year once he got complimented by more concerned at the defensive end position. However, if I go out there and I can find a guy that has that extreme three-technique explosiveness and wins the game of leverage, I will have to explore that. And I'm not in because Justin Jones, listen, if you let him go, he's going to be signed in a minute. But if you find that guy that really fits what we all think is needed at that specific position, I have to investigate that opportunity. Yeah, I think price will dictate it, you know, and, you know, I I believe when you look at Brad, he said to a guy like, you know, say like last year, Javon Hargrave was was out there in free agency for the Philadelphia Eagles and San Francisco signs him to a pretty big deal. And why maybe the Bears weren't involved in, in bringing in Hargrave a year ago. And I think a guy like Justin Matabuke, who had just a terrific year, double digit sacks, sacks as an interior guy for the Baltimore Ravens, will have to explore and see what the prices are out there for his services. I assume Baltimore is going to want him back, but you know, again, finances are going to dictate that. Yeah, franchise tags will be going out as well. All right, what type of receiver would you like to see the Bears add? What, not a name, just the type. You know, yeah. the thing about it is, is right now I'm not uh, infatuated with these six five receivers or that, you know, that height is a requirement. And it's probably because of DJ Moore. If you get a guy that has the ability to catch the ball in traffic, willingness to go over the middle and make difficult catches in the red zone and in the end zone, that's what I'm looking for. Jim can address that more intelligently than I can. Yeah, I think production. I think they've they've got, you know, good body types as it sits right now. But obviously with three guys being a a free agent, that's an area that they're going to have to to tap into. Obviously, like you said, productive route runner, very disciplined, but I want to see production. A guy that can separate, get open, a disciplined route runner where a quarterback, no matter who it is, is going to have confidence uh, to throw him the ball. And I think sometimes... That wasn't always the the case this past year for the Chicago Bears and why DJ Moore kind of was the the favorite and targeted so much. Obviously, he's the best player. He's going to command that. But we need a number two to command that opposite him, no matter who it is uh, that the Bears sign. Separation with physicality. That's what I'm looking at. The separation is the the, the critical component. You got to run a perfect route and you got to do it every time and sell it like hell. All right, we're going to step away. Our final segment coming up with Tom Thayer, Jim Miller. I'm Jeff Joniak here on Bears Weekly on ESPN 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. 
You're tuned into Bears Weekly with Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This is Bears Weekly with the voice of the Bears for 23 years, Jeff Joniak on the Bears Radio Network. This segment of Bears Weekly is brought to you by CDW, people to get it, and get the ultimate VIP fan package this season by visiting ChicagoBearsVIP.com. Remaining moments with Jim and Tom. I'm Jeff Joniak here on ESP 1000 and the Bears Radio Network. We touched on free agency. We wrapped up the Hall of Fame. Uh, but before we do, just uh, I, I don't know, Jim, if you had time to, to watch the, the nine-and-a-half-minute video that ESPN's, uh, one of their writers, put together uh, interviewing uh, folks about Steve McMichael. It was a tearjerker. I know Tom mm-hmm. and I both saw it. Tom's got his thoughts as well. But uh, just uh, grateful that he's he's alive, got the knowledge uh, that he's in, and hopefully he can make it to, to the summer in Canton there because that's the plan. That's the plan, but it yeah. was moving, man. Yeah, no, I I know. It's obviously very uh, emotional. I, I've talked to his wife, uh, Misty. She was out in, in Vegas as well, and we've done some things prior to, to going to uh, – uh, to going to Las Vegas to see the Super Bowl. And, you know, this has been, uh, you know, obviously a goal, uh, a goal that, you know, everybody wants to score and get across the finish line to get him at for that special moment in, in Canton. I know the Chicago Bears organization has stepped up. I know his former teammates have stepped up. Obviously, uh, Misty's got a, a lot of friends and loved ones that want to see her uh, accomplish this goal for Mongo McMichael as well. And, Hopefully everything will will work out the, the, exactly the way everybody wants it to. So you know he's well deserved to to get into the Hall of Fame, and hopefully he'll be there to to really experience it. Listen, man, Ming is a guy that carries so much clout and respect in the in the weight room, in the locker room, in front of any coaches that he's ever been a cha- had a chance to talk to. How dedicated he is to making other guys better, and I think that's kind of one of the. You know, you know, a lot of guys aren't attributed to that so much as a guy like Steve McMichael. And, um, you know, like Jim says, and we all think that he's, he's earned the opportunity to be in the Hall of Fame because of commitment and results. And um, um, I've, the only reason I feel bad about Steve getting in the Hall of Fame now is because I think 20 years ago he would have given one of the greatest speeches on the podium at Hall of Fame weekend that you would have ever seen from any other player in the history of Hall of Famers. But um, I think the the love and the dedication that um, teammates have for Steve McMichael, it's evident and obvious by the train of people that go and continuously visit him. Okay, uh, Channel 2 did an interview with uh, Bears president and CEO Kevin Warren this week, uh, just over a year ago. He, he came to the Bears, and he, he talked about the – quote, decisions that will resonate over the next 50 years. Uh, and some of those decisions, obviously, uh, surround a stadium, a new stadium, a dome stadium uh, here in Chicago or uh, on any of the other properties that they're exploring, including what they own in the 326 acres in Arlington Heights. Tom, we'll start with you. It's just an exciting time. He's building a relationship with Mayor Johnson in the city. Uh, the staff's working uh, tirelessly on this. And uh, we should be learning here, I would think, in the short term, what the plan is going to be. And, uh, he is he's putting full support also in building this team and giving Ryan Poles and his staff exactly what they need to get it done. Well, as a Bears fan, priority number one is figuring out a way to get this team into the playoffs and deep into the playoffs and then compete for a Super Bowl. I think if anybody loses sight of that, then, you know, they don't really know what's important to a sports franchise of any sport. Number two, 
is being a lifelong Chicago uh, Joliet, Chicago residence. And from the time I used to drive into the city and I used to see that stadium sit dormant for four months a year, it kind of frustrated me because you took in consideration what could be going on in there between February, March, April, and into May. And now what you think with all the stadiums that all of us, Jim, you, and Jeff and I, we've been in all the stadiums around the NFL landscape. And you think of what the city is capable of bringing 12 months a year, not only eight months a year. So the vision and the insight and, you know, what you think can happen in that stadium between Super Bowls and Big Ten championship games in Final Fours and all the other things, the Dome Stadium is an obvious. And if it happens on the lakefront, I think that will benefit the city of Chicago. Yeah, I just think from that standpoint, they won't be short-sighted like they, they were the last time because I think we all agree. How great would Chicago be? You've got all the great restaurants. You've got the hotels that can accommodate fans coming in, just like what Las Vegas experienced this past weekend uh, to make Chicago, the city of Chicago, a, a showpiece. Think of all that revenue that Tom just mentioned. Big Ten championship games, Final Fours. These got to be multi-purpose facilities that really you can generate revenue all year round. And what better place to to really have that revenue infused into it than the city of Chicago? But first things first, as Tom mentioned, it's to to you know if you build a stadium, the NFL has quickly rewarded uh, the cities that have built the new stadiums to host a Super Bowl. And what better city would be better to host a Super Bowl than the city of Chicago? They've got everything there to just be a a, a great place uh, to host one. All right, wrapping up, Combine's coming up here a couple weeks away, and this is one that gets real serious, Jimmy. A uh, lot, lot to discuss. I mean, everybody's got their top 100s, and and it's interesting because Dane Brugler from The Athletic, who I, I have a lot of respect for, his new top 100, it is offensive heavy. I, I, I always believe this. I, I think need trumps everything. Okay. You know, I, I, I know teams say, oh, we're here to take the best uh, player available, but you know, why are teams trading up to grab a quarterback? Because they need a quarterback. <laughs> In Carolina, needed a quarterback. They traded up from nine to one because they didn't have a quarterback. So I, I, I personally believe need trumps what the, a team is, is, is going to take. And so, you know, you, you look at Houston last year, they needed a quarterback and they needed a pass rusher. Here they traded up so that they could get both, both a quarterback and obviously Will Anderson, who won the defensive uh, rookie of the year. So I believe it's need. And by that definition alone, it won't be just offensive dominated. If a team needs a defender, they'll justify, you know, p- making the selection and say, no, that's where we had him graded at. Remember Tyson Olulu? who got drafted by the Jacksonville Jaguars, he went top 10, and everybody's like, oh, that's a reach, that's a reach. They needed a D-tackle. They take, they took Tyson Alulu. Tom, eight offensive linemen in his top 20. Yeah, glad to see that because it's a, poor, it's a, a position of importance. But I both of you guys, and I blame both of you guys for this. I used to love watching the senior bowl and the senior bowl practices, and then you kind of carry it through to the combine. Now I'm so disappointed of what I've seen out of the senior bowl. And now I got to re-see the combine because watching the quarterbacks throughout the week of practice at the senior bowl, I didn't see anything in the game itself. So now, even though, you know, it's the combine, I need to go and re-see all the quarterbacks, arm strength, decision-making process, accuracy, the difficult passes that they make them throw repetitively, 
So uh, disappointed in what the Senior Bowl showed me. Now it kind of re- reignites my interest in the combine. But that's the definition of scouting. Yeah. Why are you blaming Jim and I? I don't get it. I'm blaming both of you guys. <laughs> For what you reason? Both have a hand in broadcasting <laughs> that game, and I spend hours throughout the course of the week watching and rewatching the practice. Jim. You see guys bailing in the midst of the game. Uh, Jim, I'm Holy confused. Shit. I'm confused. Tom, it's not football. Tom, Michael, Pe- Michael Penix was my first interview before kickoff. I was twisting his arm to get in there. I said, come on, you had a great week. Just don't play. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, we're going we're gonna to have a lot of fun this offseason. I can guarantee yeah. you that. Boys, we got to run. Jim, thank you as always. Uh, take some time off now, just just even a day, just to regroup, will you? You've been working I, hard. I plan man. on doing that, Jeff. I'm going to reintroduce myself to my children. Yeah, there and, you go. Uh, we'll figure it out. <laughs> exactly. That's going to do it for us. Appreciate all our help from our producers, and most of all, you for listening. For Brad Spielberger from PFF, for Tom Thayer and Jim Miller, I'm Jeff Joniak. Have a good night, everybody, on the new radio home of the Chicago Bears, ESPN Chicago. Good night. Thank you for listening to the Chicago Bears Network presentation of Bears Weekly. Hosted by the Mayor of Bearsville, Jeff Juniak, and Surfmaster Tom Thayer. Podcasts are available on the Chicago Bears official app. Bears Weekly has been brought to you by Apple Podcasts, Bet Rivers, IGS Energy, and Miller Lite.